0: You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Evan Banks.
1: And I'm Deanna Lee. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's August 16th.
0: This past weekend, financier Jeffrey Epstein, a convicted sex offender and accused sex trafficker, died by an alleged suicide in a New York City jail. Guards were required to check on Epstein every 30 minutes, but he was reportedly left alone for three hours before his body was discovered. Just yesterday, new reports emerged that the guards may have been asleep when Epstein died. They had been working overtime due to short staffing at the jail. This story highlights several challenges facing correctional facilities in the U.S. Prisons and jails are often understaffed, underfunded, and overcrowded. And while ensuring the health and safety of inmates is an issue that rarely gets national attention, it's important to note that people who are incarcerated are at a higher risk of mortality. More specifically, suicides account for more than 35% of deaths among jail inmates. In 2017, RAND researchers examined this issue as part of a broader study about how to prevent all types of inmate deaths. To get a fuller sense of the challenge, the researchers convened a panel of experts that included correctional administrators and healthcare professionals. The panel identified several areas of need to address the longstanding problem of suicides in correctional facilities. These included adopting evidence-based best practices in suicide risk assessment and prevention, implementing processes to rescreen inmates for suicide risk after key events in their lives, and addressing the shortage of mental health treatment providers in jails. After all, the mission of America's correctional facilities is much broader than simply protecting the public from those accused or convicted of crimes. They also have a constitutional obligation to provide for the health and well-being of those under their charge.
1: Earlier this month, Prime Minister Narendra Modi revoked the part of the Indian Constitution that gave the state of Jammu and Kashmir, often referred to simply as Kashmir, special autonomous status. Ranz Rafiq Dasani wrote this week about the history of the Kashmir-India relationship, Pakistan's role over the years, and what might happen next. Looking ahead, he says that Modi's move will likely be challenged in the courts, but history suggests that India's Supreme Court will put off making any key decisions for years, and by that time, it may be too late to reinstitute Kashmir's autonomy. So, if Kashmir and India remain as one, Dasani says that Modi could use his new direct authority in the region to invest in human development and clean governance. This would attract both national and international goodwill. Based on Modi's recent landslide re-election, the Indian people think that he is the best bet for the future. Hopefully, that will also be true for Kashmiris.
0: In less than six years, fatal overdoses in the U.S. that involve synthetic opioids have increased tenfold. In fact, two-thirds of all opioid-related deaths last year involved synthetic opioids, primarily fentanyl. A RAND report out this week examines the rise of these potent drugs. The authors present three key findings. First, For now, the problem is concentrated in the eastern half of the country, with parts of Appalachia and New England affected most severely. There is a worrying possibility that the use of fentanyl and other synthetic opioids will spread to other parts of the U.S. Second, in Ohio and New Hampshire, which have been hit particularly hard by the crisis, synthetic opioid overdoses are on the rise but there has also been a simultaneous decline in these states in the number of fatal overdoses and seizures involving heroin. This could suggest that fentanyl and other synthetic opioids are replacing heroin and not just adulterating it. Finally, about half of cocaine overdose deaths in the U.S. also include synthetic opioids. This indicates that people who use cocaine are increasingly exposed to these drugs, although the reason for this is unclear. RAND experts are in the midst of conducting further research on synthetic opioids, as well as other aspects of the opioid crisis, so we'll have more to share with you soon.
1: In late 2018, it became clear that the United States was contemplating withdrawing troops from Afghanistan. Soon after, Iran acknowledged that it was meeting with the Taliban. RAND's Arian Tabatabai notes that, Although this was hardly the first meeting between Iranian and Taliban representatives, it was the first time that Iran publicized it. A number of interests led Tehran to form a partnership with the Taliban, she says. One was a shared objective to undermine the U.S. presence in Afghanistan and in the broader region. So, as Washington continues to work toward a troop withdrawal, how might this affect the future of U.S.-Taliban peace talks? Iran has not yet complicated or derailed these negotiations, says Tabatabai, but it has the ability to take on that role. Additionally, the Taliban could leverage its ties to Tehran to make fewer concessions to the U.S.
0: Roughly one in five U.S. veterans experiences mental health problems, including PTSD, major depression, and anxiety. Risks for such conditions are higher for veterans who deployed overseas, and especially for those who have served since 9-11. RAND researchers have conducted several studies to better understand the mental health care needs of veterans and the quality of care that they receive. We published a new research brief this week that summarizes this body of work and outlines three broad policy recommendations. First, increase the number of highly trained mental health providers within the VA and in private practice. Second, reduce the barriers to mental health care, for example, by educating veterans about treatment and exploring new approaches to delivering care. And finally, adopt and enforce appropriate and consistent quality of care standards.
1: Many patients receive large, unexpected medical bills, even when they're treated at hospitals within their insurance network. Efforts to prevent these surprise bills are gaining momentum. California, for example, passed a law that limits the fees that out-of-network physicians can charge for care delivered in hospitals. RAND researcher Erin Duffy conducted an analysis of this law. She found that it does appear to be protecting patients from surprise bills. However, there have also been some unintended consequences namely the law is reducing physicians leverage to negotiate higher payments from hospitals shifting more negotiating power to insurance plans this in turn seems to be speeding up the consolidation of smaller physician groups
0: rand is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis for more on what we covered this week check the show notes at rand.org/podcast See you next week.